Welcome back to Academic Ball, where we talk about genre and horror film in a positive, constructive manner. I'm Samuel Newman, and with me, as always, is Nathaniel Johnson. Hey, how you doing? Well, we're we're in part two of a of a double record, so things could get a little even loopier than last week's episode. <laughs> I think we pulled it up. We started off, yeah, yeah, and then I think we we got into a rhythm, and I think that's right. that's uh, uh, that's uh, that happens with us sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, we're rounding out our. Uh, classic Candyman trilogy with uh, 1999's uh, Candyman Day of the Dead. Uh, oh, this is, this is, yeah. yeah. Right. I know it feels like it's a lot earlier. Yeah, this uh, feels like, this feels like it was made before too. Right, right. Um, All right, yeah. In a lot of ways it feels mid-90s, but you know, I guess they made it before The Matrix came out and, and nailed the early millennial, you know, millennium movies kind of yeah. feel. Yeah. Um, this is the first direct-to-video uh, one, and hopefully the last direct-to-video one, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> unless they get a, a much older Tony Todd to come back and play the role again, which I'm always in favor of. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, do you want to do the vital stats? And we'll- absolutely, absolutely. So the director of this film is Tori Meyer, um, relatively successful, went on to television, a lot of genre television, um, writing, uh, writing for... Uh, wow. Okay. Uh, Mutant X, Smallville, Vampire Diaries, um, Salem, Stargirl. Wrote right. some episodes recently of the new series Stargirl, uh, which is a East End. Um, he also, as a director, uh, episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a few episodes of Angel spinoff, uh, of which I'm a fan. Uh, Sam is not. Um, but to be uh, fair, I've never seen Angel. But... I think you'd like Angel. I really do. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's got a lot of the same sensibilities as Buffy, but made for older people. Uh, uh, you know, it's more of an adult show versus right. uh, you know Buffy being about teenagers. Um, he uh, oh, he also wrote Leprechaun too. Look at that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and his uh, most recently, you so, know, uh, I'm sorry. Before we get into the rest of the cast, I gotta uh, I did realize he'd done Leprechaun too, but um, I had written down that they had one point and we're talking about doing a Candyman versus Leprechaun. Oh, uh, that's right. <laughs> Do you think he was the one that brought it up? Maybe. I mean, it could be. Uh, Sorry. Leprechaun 2 was 94. This was 99. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> so after this, you would pretty much go on to, to predominantly do television. Yeah. Um, and uh, although, yeah, he wrote Wrong Turn 2 as well. Huh? Pretty mm-hmm. successful writing. That was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. He uh, And then the other uh, the other writer on this, on this um, Alfre- uh, Alfredo Septian, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, work, work with him a lot. Um, that's a uh, that's that's one of the things I've noticed over you know, our time doing this show is that you know there's a lot of crossover between you know genre film, um, you know not like the lesser sequels and stuff, and then them going on to doing a lot of like decent and good television. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. It, it's uh, so they, they uh, both had a, both had pretty solid careers as well. Um, and so for cast, we've got uh, once again we've got Tony Todd returning as Candyman. Um, he uh we also have uh, our lead is uh donna de erico playing caroline right. mckeever the daughter of annie from right. the previous film which we're gonna get to oh, yeah that's the most ridiculous thing about this whole movie um we've got alexia robinson as tamara uh caroline's roommate a uh, small role for mike moroff uh as tino or as i kept yelling at him what is the number to the phone <laughs> in my car um because he's the guy that uh the main villain of desperado shoots in the uh, right um i always think of him first as uh one of the uh the spanish thugs in uh, Night- uh no, nightmare i'm sorry uh return of the living dead three yep uh, yep he's another character actor um yep. and then we have uh jesu garcia um mm-hmm. i think still uh being cast as nick cory um mm-hmm. in this film uh who you might remember from nightmare on elm street Yep. Uh, where as Nick Curry, he played the uh, the character of Rod Lane in that first. Movie. I I did realize that until I went to look up the cast because he's you know a totally different name. I just never put two and six together to get three. Well, he's yeah he's you know, he is until credited, after he's credited in the end credits. He's still car- he's credited as Nick Corey with Jesus Garcia in quotations. Right. It was um, it was until that point. Like I'm like wait what? <laughs> yeah. And um, you wouldn't know this, uh, but um, we have uh, the. Uh, uh, I always love seeing a, a lost cast member, um, Lillian Hurst, who plays the flower woman, um, aging, uh, aging Latina actor. Oh. Uh, 
was on Lost as uh, as Hurley's mom, um, and uh, she cool. did a, a great uh, great comic performer. She does a lot of humor on Lost, and um, so I, I was like, oh hey, it's Hurley's mom. Um, I liked and, Garcia on Lost, and yeah, and um, we have. I'll, I'll I'll give you one back. Um, playing one of the detectives is uh, Robert O'Reilly, who played Gowron in uh, Next Generation in a lot of episodes. Huh. He was the leader of the the Klingon Empire. Oh, okay. And then, of course, we have Ernie Hudson Jr. Yes. Um, or as you joked uh, on social media, <laughs> someone made a mistake and accidentally hired Ernie Hudson's son instead of Ernie Hudson. Um, Although he does well in this. He's, uh, he's actually, yeah, he's a great, he does a good performance. Uh, in fact, I just, like, my... I, just, I just like they put him like high on the cast list. And he's only in like a couple of scenes. Like, you know, they're right, like, Ernie Hudson Jr., yeah, but he's yeah. he's memorable. Uh, he yeah. has one of my favorite uh, kind of like boxing takedowns I've ever seen in film. Actually, very, uh, very it's much such so. a great it's such a great two punch uh, shot, and it's uh, it it was perfect. I remember going like, "Holy shit, that's actually how fights look!" Right uh, in real life, where you have a guy who knows how to fight versus a guy who doesn't. He just hits him once in the ribs and then clocks him in the jaw, and he's out. Yeah, um, it's a great uh, great little moment. Um, but he's also uh, uh, in in running with the uh Candyman cop thing mm. uh he uh, once again the the black cop is mm. the reasonable authority yeah. figure um but that's yeah. basically for the main actors oh well, wait we do have uh we have one other guy who's relatively famous don't wade we? williams yeah. uh was in he usually plays like shitty cops or shitty prison guards he was in like prison break in the early 2000s and he's been in a hundred other things mostly as cops i think yeah yeah, Wade Williams. Yeah, um, but yeah, the so that's basically our vitals. Uh, yeah, so we we kind of open up uh, surprisingly twenty five years after the last one. This movie takes place in two thousand twenty and twenty. Yep. Um, uh, and um, it is absolutely absurd because, as I, I thought, said, I would take this world over the one where we got COVID, <laughs> but right. not by a lot. But I mean, like, but. To apparently the year 2020 they thought right. it would just look like 99 yeah um, or 95 really I mean, yeah uh, right as we said like this movie looks like it was made uh in like 94 um right. and uh it's um it's absurd they didn't even yeah. attempt to put like uh you know you know a wall phone right or uh, you know a, a a touch screen well they didn't or, they wanted it to I don't think there was their intention to make a future movie. I think they just wanted. They had to justify the, timeline. Yeah. yeah they like, because they don't movie. really address it. They just kind of say, oh, that's her daughter. You have to put back, you know, put it together in your head. Like, wait, this other movie took place five years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, this is 2020. Um, right. Well, they kind of do, though, because as I joked in the last episode, uh, suddenly a crow movie happens at the end of this movie. Right. I think that was sort of like it was sort of like, uh, you know, um, Joel Schumacher's not too distant future in like Batman right. Forever, like you know, yeah. like the street gangs had like neon face paint. You um, think? I think that's what they're I, trying to go for. Like, I, I didn't think they were going for like, yeah, like a, a punk aesthetic is like the future. Um, uh, I just think they were just because I mean, all the goth stuff, and we'll get into that when yeah. we get to that. But uh, it was more, it was very '90s and, and, and cringy. Um, yeah. I didn't really feel like they were trying to go for you know a future punk kind of thing. It was just like. This is just. I think the movie something. would have worked worked better if it did. I think, right. that, uh, yeah. you know, I think that they should have um, taken a stab at a few, at a fashion, or at least be like cyclical. Like, like actually, you, oddly enough, I think if I were to make a movie that took place twenty years from now, mm-hmm. I'd be using fashion from the friggin' fifties, because right. it, as I joked about last week, and I wasn't joking. Nineties um, fashion is coming back. Yeah, I'm, well, it's all I, cyclical. I'm seeing, I work downtown St. Louis. I see young women dressed mm-hmm. like people from 90s movies and i'm like yeah what's going on um, well at my work there was uh i work at a school um yeah. and they had you know picture day recently and you know they were letting the kids do like you know normal yearbook photos and then they would you know be able to do like you know funny photos mm-hmm. and their their funny photo ideas was 80s or 90s which is a very long stretch of time to do right and and it's so recent to me that it may be fossil yeah um because you know let's be honest a lot of the teachers are younger than i am um oh sure 
I'm, I mean, I'm almost I'm almost certain. I think the only the only people at my job that are older than I am are like the the head engineer, right? Like everybody else is at least thirty. I think my general manager is. He said he was thirty six. I think. Right. So he's a few years younger than me. But yeah, their retro fashion was eighties or nineties. Which yeah. like, can you range it down? You which know? doesn't make any sense to me because, like I said, I'm seeing fashion so that, different. That's actually the nineties. Like right. mom jeans are back in. I yeah, mom jeans. Um, which I remember. We need to get we need to get more people into the uh, the neck choker uh, look because that was a would be a creepy guy for a minute. That was a good look. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I'm like, if you're gonna go, like, I we talked about with Annie in the last movie. Mm-hmm. I'm like with the layers and stuff that she was rocking, and I'm like, let's get that look back. That was good. yeah, um, yeah, like the early '90s grudge where it's like, just wear what's comfortable, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I see that too. I see like flannel, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, flannel shirts. Um, and I'm like, okay, I don't know. I saw, I saw, a, I swear to God, like the last month or something, I saw a couple of young women that I was like, holy shit, it's high school. I remember right. these yeah. fashions from high school. Like, I like uh, you know, Nastasia has been on the show a few times. I went to yeah. high school with her. They were dressed right. like Nastasia was right. in high school. I was like, oh my God, I, it's Nastasia. Yeah, uh, I've got, you know. and I really dread the day when it turns into 2000s retro because like everybody's going to have frosted tips and <laughs> that's not a good look. <laughs> Sunglasses on the back of the head. Right. Um, yeah, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be rough. Um uh, so, anyways, we're in the far, far flung future of two, 2020 in this yes. one. Yeah, uh, but that's what I mean. Is I, I, but my, my, my point is that still, I think if I were to make a movie that took place like 20 years from right. now, I'd be using fashion from 10 years ago. Right. Well, this is this is a movie. This is a series that isn't afraid to retcon. So it's like, why did you even? Why didn't you just say like, you know, oh, this was, you know, the last movie took place 20 years previous or 25 years previous, mm. and just say it happened in like. 1980 nobody would care at this nobody point no right no um but yeah i mean that's what i mean is just you could have just thrown a little bit of effort into making things look right. a little futury yeah. um, well think, lot, but I'll, I'll get the negative right out of the way for the for the for the lead actress like i don't buy her as an actress let alone a painter Donna um, Darico. yeah she uh she was uh famous i thought this was the first thing she was in when oh, I saw this, she was. Then I looked it up. I'm like, she were you were on Baywatch, so you have had quote unquote acting experience. Um, yeah, she was not, on Baywatch. Not very good, but you know, yeah. acting experience. But uh, if she was on Baywatch, Baywatch Nights, I would have known immediately because I watched that series, but I never was. watched Baywatch. She was Baywatch yeah. Nights. Baywatch Nights, ninety six to ninety seven. Really? Yeah. Well, it says credit only. I don't know if that means she actually wasn't in it. But... She was probably like in a flashback or something. Well, she's credited as credit only. I don't know. If oh, that, that means. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a weird term. IMDb. Get on the ball. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Right after this, she would have gone on to because it was like David Hasselhoff, who's a you know a, a lifeguard by day, fighting you know werewolves and shit. What the hell is going on? if you ever get if you ever get that uh that one season wonder show off the ground i think baywatch nights only lasted a season but i could be wrong i think you're right yeah it was a, it was just a, it was a weird spinoff right of baywatch but yeah don derrico was on baywatch she was uh she was a regular actress uh on that show i think uh and that's what i mean it's the first thing that i noted watching this movie is that we immediately opened with don derrico basically wearing bra and panties Right. Um, and I was, and we like, know we're in for a really long know, slog. Yeah. And I was like, we know immediately why she was cast. Yeah. Um, even though they, they dress her rather conservatively for most of the movie after that. Um, right. She has a tight shirt, but she's wearing. I was going to say, she's not. I could see her nipples the whole time, but I wasn't looking. <laughs> so I was. After the first couple her... minutes. After the first couple minutes, I'm like, I'm tired of your nipples. Can you put them away? Yeah. I want to see her nipples though, but this is a Christmas <laughs> show. Well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples then. Uh, I was I was thinking these of guys like, are uh, really looking. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, call back. I was thinking of Randall coming back from uh, in Clerks, coming back from the funeral, where like just talking about you know her like, fucking body, <laughs> right? And all I said was she can see her nipples through her dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Sub-referencing. Um, yes. Fun fun on At the Devil's Ball. Sub-referencing. <laughs> show. Um, right. Speaking but yeah, so, of 90s throwbacks, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you've got to, but we do have Donna Derrico. Uh, like, I, like I said, she's relatively dressed relatively conservatively. In fact, that's what I one of, the, one of the things, again, about fashion. I don't want to harp on this too much, but um, that her outfit for most of the movie I've seen as well uh, lately. Yeah. Except yeah. 
one detail mm-hmm. or shoes. Those, I was going to say those that most people wear a bra, but you know, yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a judgment call. I'm not making it. Yeah. But, uh, but the shoes, uh, like the weird kind of like Buffalo high, uh, high platform treaded, yeah. uh, black shoes, like kind of half boot thing that right. never came back. That was a thing that was in the nineties. I do remember that as a teenager. Um, uh, they were ugly then they're ugly now. Right. Um, and, um, that was the only thing I kept being, I kept noticing. I was like, you know, actually you could pretend this was 2020. Um, yeah. You know, her outfit wouldn't be out of place now, except for those friggin' shoes. And, um, and I don't think we would have questioned it if they didn't, you know, kind of inadvertently call attention to it, you know, right. because of who she is. Yeah. Yeah. All they had to do was, is just say this movie takes place whenever. Right. Yeah. Um, or you, you could excise the fact that she was the great, great, the granddaughter of him you know entirely just be like well she's a painter who's been having visions of him yeah yeah she doesn't have to have that connection yeah yeah um yeah and, and uh yeah and then we, we, so we so we find out somewhere in between uh which we didn't really talk about uh the fact that at the end of a candy man 2 annie has mm-hmm. a child right um and, and she says Candyman four times. Tries to say Candyman in the mirror, which I didn't like. I, I thought you could have just had her uh, close the. It didn't. Phone it didn't even really make sense that like she would know that at her age either. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't know. I don't need this. And in fact, it was a really lousy last line to go out on that movie too. It was like you know, right. go to bed or something was the last line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, it was. I was like, okay, I could have just dealt with like you know, when you're a little older, I'll tell you the story about this guy, and then close mm-hmm. the photo op and say, right, sweet, sweet dreams. And then right. you could have just you could have just put like the mirror the the mobile and then you could put the the hook in it, you know. You don't even need that. You just show the mirror and you're done. You get out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because you know, up like I said, you know, last week and I'll say again this week, this is the first time I watched either of these movies. Yeah. And at the end of that of part two, like I'm like, all right, go to credits. That's great. And then they like, kept going. I'm like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> yeah. But I was like, if you really wanted to do with just a sequel hook, you know, you didn't have to have the kids start saying the name. You could have just no. put a hook in the mirror or something. All you got to do is show a mirror. You could just show the mirror. You're right. You're... You know, it's never, it's never really over as long right. as there's a mirror, you know, yeah. uh, even though you smash the MacGuffin. Right. Uh, and we have a new MacGuffin. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny. You actually had made, uh, in, in Canada 2, you'd actually made a, a, a connection I hadn't, which was you, you compared mm-hmm. them to Hellraiser 2 and 3. Right. And once again, three is doing uh, this. Three is doing the same mm-hmm. as Hellraiser three, which is the idea of good, good versus bad. Right. Uh, you know, he has a good side and he has an evil side. Yeah. Um, Although I'd say in terms of quality, this is more like going from Hellraiser two to Hellraiser six. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, that can't. Some of that can't be helped because it's direct to video. Although Hell, Hellraiser six was Hellseeker. That was actually not bad. But um, yeah. Um, maybe but I didn't want to. I didn't want to saddle it with like uh, Hell World or the non Doug Bradley sequels. You know that would be unfair. Oh, Judgment was all right. Come on, yeah, it had its moments. Yeah, I I, I put this in the debtor camp because even that you know it even has the cult. Yeah, I like debtor too. Actually, I yeah. like always like, sequels, but yeah, same. Like, yeah, same. Um, actually, three is the one I like the least. Really, I love three, but. You know, four is probably actually. I was gonna say Inferno is probably the one I like the least, but that's the fifth one. Uh, even though that really, was I loved that one. That was, and even though that was directed by Scott Derrickson, yeah, would go on to make Doctor Strange. But anyway, we're talking about how. <laughs> but anyway, but you the, can see you can see how apt we are to talk about this this classic. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 get through it. Um, no. but anyway, so yeah, we've got um, we've got the general conceit that for whatever reason that Don Derrico is now is Caroline right the child grown up yep um annie has since been killed by Candyman. it's ultimately yeah. implied she did kind of what her father did which was call Candyman on purpose right. to protect her daughter uh, which i i don't understand why they keep trying that why like, the hell would you do that because um, first of all even in the first movie like you realize that okay the first movie isn't even that that really like attached to the fact that you have to call him we, yeah we talked about that yeah. right like, um but like let's say actually you know something that's yeah. kind of added after the fact but this is something that's become you know part of his his you know mo since the first movie or even kind of implied in the first movie but not actually shown yeah um but once you call him it doesn't seem like like that controls him in any way like he just you know yeah. start fucking shit up all over once, yeah. once he's called 
yeah. a lot of and more in this series more often than not else up yeah if you really think about it yeah well and it's really interesting to me it was something i was thinking about um last week when we were supposed to record right um, with these well i was thinking about that there's something you and you said something similar on on uh, social media where you, you had actually theorized <laughs> that Candyman wants to have sex with Yes. Um, these these descendants of his, which I did not read myself. Which is but gross. It is gross. <laughs> it, it's there. You think I mean, so? I'm not sure. I I'm not, not sure. I see it. Um, um, and this one is this one. I think so, think definitely. Um, I will say part of that was covered by watching interviews with Tony Todd, where he talks about the Candyman series. Um, and he and he's you know but def, definitely into the sexual aspect of of Candyman. Sure. Um, Bernard Rose also in the first part was talking about um, on the like the commentary track about how you know the stand the story of Daniel Robitaille, uh, you know, being a, a painter, uh, and using his, his, his craft finally to express himself and having his hand amputated and you know replaced with like the worst tool you could possibly put on there, yeah. Um, and reduce, and they both said basically he's reduced to you know the fucking people with this hook. Uh, right. There's a reason it goes from groin to gullet, right? Um, and the way that Tony Todd plays him, the act of killing is very sexual. Uh, there's a lot of grunting and thrusting, and you know, there's a release as he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the way he plays Candyman, even when he's just talking to the lead characters, is very, very sexual. Very, you know, I want to say romantic, but it's you know not really a good romance story uh, in that way. Well, ro- romantic as a term is actually more, uh, yeah, more yeah. Be operatic or right. or dramatic. Um, the the term was co-opted to mean love, right? Um, but like romantic poetry is not necessarily love poems, right? Well, this isn't romantic poetry. This is no, this is uh, pop yeah. culture film. Yes, uh, and and in this one, he's very he's trying to seduce these people, um, and he does it in this one as well, and like. It's just kind of weird once you stop to think about, okay, this is his great, great granddaughter. Um, great, great, this, great granddaughter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And especially like there's a scene where like he kisses her and I'm like, granddad, no, that's not how, <laughs> that's not how granddads kiss. Granddad. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, it would, it would change that dynamic if these characters were literally calling him grandfather or something. Right. Yeah. Or, and again, I think, you know, taking her as, um, much like the Halloween series fucked itself over by making it all about bloodlines, I think it, this series kind of fucked itself over by making it about these female descendants. Yeah, and it yeah. it it limits him in a lot of ways. It limits the the way you can tell the story in a lot of ways. And this one, it's like, you know, it leads to a lot to like you know, like you said in the last one, where it's a very muddled um, reason for him to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this one. Same what does he want? What does he want? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, what's he the way Tony Todd plays it, he wants to screw this woman. Yeah. Um, the way the story plays it, I have no goddamn idea. Yeah, I don't know what his what his agenda right. is. Um, you know, like, like we said, the first one it's pretty clearly defined. Right. What his agenda is, and two and three, it's sort of like, well, I guess it's kill my descendants, but right. what what does he get from that? I don't know. I mean, yeah, well, it, the, all this, you had to do was say like he kills his descendants and becomes human again or something. It'd be like, all right, I buy it. Right. Right. You know, again, because as we talked about, you could pretty much say whatever you friggin' want. Yeah. With these movies and it wouldn't matter. Um, well, in the first one, you know, it's it's be my victim. And the second one is be my witness. Right. And this one it's it's feel my pain. OK, but then what? <laughs> yeah. You know, that. The, yeah. Well, actually, a lot of the. The second one makes more sense if you, in, in terms of his what he's going for, if if you take that flashback at the end of the account, this one I have no goddamn clue. That's why I kind of just glommed on to like he just wants to fuck his great great granddaughter, and that's 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 it. No. Okay, well he's been dead a long time. He hasn't dead a long time. <laughs> um, but it was something that I was thinking about, which was also like the idea that like they've pretty much established that in these Candyman movies, uh, if it's a dude, he just kills him. Right. If it's a girl, it's this whole you know seduction for murder game. thing. Yeah. Right. Um, if we have again, yeah, he, we have in this movie, we have framing for framing for crimes again. Well, that was the other thing I said on social media, like like that, like that's his kink, and we don't kink. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> yes. 
Kink is framing white women. Whatever reason, his thing is make sure cops are interested in trying to arrest them. Um, The cops have to be involved or he can't get off. That's just every movie. Yep. Yeah. Every movie in this series involves the police for whatever reason. I don't know if the new one does, but um, I I can't imagine it wouldn't in some fashion, but at this point, you're going to have to, I suppose. But uh, well, I mean, uh, although I I would imagine that this this new one is not in that way. I don't think. Well, we got to imagine the new one's got to be like two and three didn't happen. Right. You know, Um, but uh, maybe they do. I don't know. But I think of the fact that the new one is, is would be embracing hard. is embracing the 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 black yeah. uh, perspective. I it feel like be, if you did put the cops in there somewhere, it'd be weird. Yeah, but it would be it would be hilarious if they said like you know uh, if they mentioned Caroline dying a year ago, that'd be freaking awesome. Right, that'd be hilarious. Um, uh, you yeah. know, you know what else is weird? <laughs> um, I don't want to say because that's like the one thing I accidentally got spoiled on, and I don't want to say in case it's not the same thing mm. as everybody else had spoiled on. So let's just. Forget I said anything right there. Okay. I don't know. We're good. <laughs> um, that was the sound of cutting. Boop. That was cutting. I'm not gonna go. Um, I'm lazy. Um, right. I will. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um, but yeah. So we've got. Again, we've got a muddled. Uh, we've got a muddled basic plot. Right. Um, she, like you said, uh, it actually probably would work better if she had no actual biological connection to him or was just an artist dreaming about it. Right. I did like the fact that she I don't think they they sold it well, but I mean, she's an artist. Yes. Um, You know, that's kind of quote unquote in her blood. Um, And it's another way, you know, the whole obviously the whole art exhibition from a guy that I can't tell if he's a fine arts dealer or just a creep Mm -hmm. (laughs) from the way he's played. Um, But the the whole exhibition is about Candyman and the legend and, and stuff like that. That was that's actually a cool way to start the start the film, I think, because it's showing yeah. one of the unfortunately least played cards in the Candyman deck in these sequels, which is he's an urban legend. He's a folk hero. He's, you know, yeah. the piece of Americana that, you know, never kind of goes away. Right. In fact, keeps spreading because now we're not in New Orleans in this movie. We're not in a right. We are where East LA. East LA. Yep. Um but yeah, so it's complete with racist ass cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, Miguel. Yeah, that's uh, and that's yeah. I mean, what the hell do we talk about with this movie? Um, well, it was uh, the cops. Yeah. The cops is a good angle to start with because I mean they're the most actively racist cops we've seen in the series. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, um, sure. Especially at odd screen, you know, they do talk about doing the the sweeps at Cabrini Green. Mm-hmm. And that's and how they arrest everybody and you know yada yada. On the first one, we don't see that. We just see cops trying to help a white woman, and right? Trying to put her in prison, but also treating her really nice. It's like when they took that guy to Burger King, shot up the black church. I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of weird, but it's how they should treat everybody. But it's also kind of weird. Well, I don't think anybody should probably be going to Burger King after they shoot a bunch of people up. Well, nobody should go to Burger King anyways. At least take them to McDonald's. You know, they got the better fries. I prefer Burger King. <laughs> I like their their hamburgers better, but their fries not. Yeah, you don't have any brand loyalty anymore. No, I never did. I, had, I know. You know. Yeah, I don't give a shit either. Right? So right. It doesn't matter what hotel I'm working for. I don't care. Um, but yeah, okay. So we've got these. We got you have these racist cops who then decide right. that basically Don Derrico is responsible for some deaths. Right. Once again. Um. Except but even before that, they're there just to hassle the Hispanic guy. Yeah. You know, and shake him down for money, apparently, which, you know, I didn't know they still did in the United States, even in the far off year of 2020 or 1999, whatever one you prefer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess so. Yeah. But uh, but this time I will say that uh, the cop thing pays off better, I think. Yes. With yeah. this movie, which is ultimately the racist cop is ultimately blamed for the killings by Candyman. After yeah, that film. that was a cool ending. I liked that. Yeah, that was that, a lot of fun. Uh, this time we at least have a perp that makes sense because, like right. we talked about with both Candyman and Candyman Two, we had a literally uh, an invisible man death right. on camera. That yeah. makes no sense. There would be no way to ju- that. You know how the hell does that actually affect? Like that's a whole other thing. Even the fact that they're calling it the Candyman murders, which implies 
me that maybe he's being blamed for more than just the murders we've seen in this film. Yeah. Um, you know, if it, they've already got, you know, a name for this killer, even though it's obviously not a new name, but right. Like it's cool that they, they kind of threw that in the, at the end. Yeah. And then, like I said, we have, we have Ernie Hudson Jr. as the cop, the good and, cop. Yeah. Um, and a uh, great moment where the, uh, the racist cop is about to, was about to shoot a kid, right? He's yeah. going down on a kid. And right. Ernie just got to do the walks up and just fucking knocks him the hell out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great bit. Um, and he ends up becoming, becoming a hero cop when he right. you know, says the other cop, the evil cop is the one responsible for all the killings. And it's sort of like he's going to get a promotion. Yeah. They did play the framing in this film, I think, better than the last one. The framing of the, of the lead yeah. character and the way that it resolves itself felt a lot. I don't know if realistic is the right word, but satisfying. Uh, sure. It worked out better. Yeah. Well, I mean, this movie went, went, went further than the other two did by making cops absolutely actual, like, real villains. Right. In this movie. Um, even the Dick Cop in 2 wasn't necess- was more, like, you know, antagonist. Right, uh, you know, in this one we've got an outright evil. Yeah, and then the Dick Coppin too. By the time we meet him the first time, you know, he's got reason to be mad at this other dude. He thinks he killed. Yeah, he thinks he's a dangerous person. Here we go. But yeah, in the first one, you know, they kind of, and uh, this one they kind of gave him more reason to be a, you know, to be a racist cop. In the first, in the last one, it was more like, you know. He was just mad at the guy because he thought he was a killer. Yeah. The big cops. And here it kind of it was more fleshed out, which is I guess good, but it was the least interesting story in the film to me yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, out of what though? I mean, like there's not Well, that's the I, thing. Like this movie, even more so than the last one, is is a bag full of half thought out ideas for movies. Yeah. Uh, they have the artist who's being tortured by visions of, you know, this, I guess by now it's just a ghost um, yeah. of her, you know, her, her distant ancestor and trying to come to terms with that. There's the story. Uh, they do. They did work race back into this one in a, in a little better way, even though you know, this time it's uh, Hispanics and, you yes. know, the problems that they have. Um, that worked out a lot better in this and in, in this, I thought. Um yeah. Because they even showed, you know, they have this apartment building where they all live, and I shouldn't say they all, but you yeah. know what I mean. All, all the Hispanics we see in this movie live in one apartment building. Mm-hmm. They have. Hmm? I'm agreeing with you. Go oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and they have their own code of conduct. They have their own, you know, they basically have a security guy on 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 staff who says when immigrations come in, and yeah. Um, it was nice to see back, you know, to these other hidden societies, which was uh, one of my favorite parts of the first one to come right. back in this. Um, but then they kind of muddy it up with, you know, her being romantically involved with with another character and, <laughs> and this kid somehow in it. And I, I just wanted to see more of, you know, the uh, the Bruja grandmother, <laughs> really. Right. Yeah. Well, I was gonna uh, say I remember joking. Folk magic that. finally comes into the Candyman story, which it should have been in a lot more. But yeah, yeah. I remember joking with you on social media that I was like the most the most magical supernatural thing to happen in this movie is the tequila scene. <laughs> right. uh, the she's with the, uh, Jesus Garcia, and they yeah. they open up a bottle of tequila, and there's a there's a fade out fade in, and half the right. bottle's gone, and they right. both look like fine and i'm like yeah they, nobody's shit themselves yeah <laughs> they'd be like sweaty giggly yep. uh confused messes i mean the the one time i ever got drunk on tequila oh god um yeah i'll never do it again no. i was at a bar most of my early 20s and there's this guy who apparently just had a baby mm-hmm. and his friends were buying him these shots of tequila Oh, and God. one of his friends started. Are they trying to make him forget he has a baby? <laughs> uh, well, they were celebrating, but they, they eventually right. started worrying that this guy, because this guy was just going to keep taking the shots. So right, what happens right. is one of these guys' friends starts handing me uh, to protect right. the friend. And so I'm like, right. well, sure, free shots. So yeah. I take a couple of shots. And then I think within an hour, mm-hmm. I'm talking. And in my head, I'm talking fine. Right, right. What apparently everybody else is hearing is, I mean, I know, I know, I know. it's like it's like when Homer Simpson is remembering that dinner party. Yeah, <laughs> in, 
yeah. versus the, the reality. Is, it's like uh, it was like the ether scene in uh, in in uh, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. Where he's right, like, right. You can, you know, your your perception of reality is still just fine. So you can right. watch yourself behave in this terrible way. That was tequila. I was like, yeah. I'm fine. And they're hearing like, nah, 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 yeah. And then when we left the bar, they had to basically carry me. Like I had to basically yeah. like one on one guy under each arm and they're kind of dragging right. me along. And I'm like, I can walk and what they're hearing. I don't want ah. <laughs> tell, tell me you were, you were saying, show me the way to go home. Cause that's what should happen. At, no, at, because at that I wasn't, and everything. <laughs> in my head, I wasn't drunk. Right. Right. You know, and they're like, yeah. I can't understand you. And I'm like, really? Cause I can understand me. And they're hearing, right. get me a pen and paper. I will write it down. And then you just but write it down like I, a squiggle. $5 get out of here. Uh, you, <laughs> right. know, you know, um, but yeah, it would have been like, yeah, but that was, I was like, you know, these two are sharing a bottle of tequila. They've both taken at least three or four shots. They would be, right. even if they were pretty solid drinkers, right. they would both be like these weird sweaty messes um you know, or at least be like having sex but like they're like you know uh, just sitting, the just only one thing, time oh the only thing to show that they've had to go is they have moved from on the couch to on the floor they're right on the floor. and i just remember laughing just laughing a lot i'm like yep you're definitely showing that they're uh they're drinking tequila they have moved yeah <laughs> um they're sitting on the floor now they're loosened up a bit yeah know? i'm like they're doing full-on tequila shots with the salt and the mm-hmm. lime uh, with a, you know, and I'm like, they would be like giggling and like and stinking, right? And like, you know, both laying on the floor. Being and that's like, part of the reason I didn't really buy, the- didn't really buy the romantic subplot because it seemed like it started there with them doing, you know, the tequila shots. I'm like, that's the basis for a romantic relationship in this film. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh. So, um, yeah, it, it's not really clear. They don't really have a lot of chemistry. We don't know what no. the hell, why they're really together. Or why they suddenly, like, bring his kid in. But, yeah, don't really know what's going on with them. Yeah, it is, it's just another thing that the plot ever really needed. Yeah. Um, you know, it could have been enough that, like, I don't know how they would fix that, to be honest. How they would they fix that and keep you know his character in it um well, he's supposed to be the guide to get her to they had a i mean the wasn't the whole thing like a mutual friend died yeah know? you you it's a problem i think that films do that i think we're moving away from a little bit which is that you know automatically male leads they have to be in love have to get together and fall right um whereas uh you know we rarely see movies where two people uh get along but don't necessarily hook up uh right you know um and it's kind of weird because whenever they do sequels to those movies that do that like they always like like make them broke up between movies and you know so they don't have to pay both the actors to come back or one of them is dead or something right yeah i mean like you know it's uh it's always but yeah i mean like you you ultimately ultimately have that necessary compulsion in a lot of those movies is to basically be like well it was a guy and a girl so they must hook up right um where in reality it, it actually probably makes more sense that you know i meet a lot of women every day and i don't fall in love with every one of them right you know, um you know i have co-workers that i get along with but that doesn't mean we want to have sex right um you know um you know it's uh you know but i've actually, never had to you know fight the you know supernatural remnants of a of a of a killed slave i guess either so but i feel like you know i i feel like you still why does that necessarily mean right um in fact i would think there'd be no time for no time for love dr jones yeah yeah. you know i mean like we're kind of in some peril here um but we're going to take some time to drink tequila and get to know each other right um i mean listen young lady you've got a ghost of a you've got a ghost trying to kill you and Fran wasn't that her. wasn't that tequila love scene one of the times she got naked because there's like a few times she got naked i feel like was that they, one of them no they end up kissing i think at the end of that oh, okay oh no they do have sex and she, she wakes up and he's gone okay okay he went home that's right and then a roommate shows. which is what you do you yeah I guess. Um, yeah, he just sort of mysteriously disappears. It's well, he woke up the next morning. He's like, I did a lot of tequila and I forgot I had a daughter. I better go check out her. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He had a kid. 
Yep. Uh, that's who that kid was at the end of the movie. I I, I forget. Um, I watched the movie once and was just sort of un, so unimpressed. Right. Um, I've got the Wikipedia page open so I can make sure I don't forget anything. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Candyman 3, this was basically a franchise killer. Yeah. Um, it would be, uh, well, yeah, what are we talking? Uh, 20 years. Yeah. Even approach this uh, subject matter again. Um, this and it was, took your, it took Jordan Peele to get it made. Yeah, yeah, and the probably the only reason it did get made because Jordan Peele had become successful, right? Um, and Black Horror is in, um, and regrettably, that's that's uh, that's unfortunate. There should have been yeah. Black Horror all this time, but right. um, and there has been. There's just not a lot of it, but um, but yeah, Jordan it's coming back in a big way. That's that should be. Uh, yeah. That's and yeah, and Peele's bringing a lot of that to the table. Uh, although, again, can't say this enough. Nia DeCasta's Candyman. Great. Not Jordan Peele's Candyman. Stop saying it's Jordan Peele's Candyman. Um, I'll accept Jordan Peele presents because that's that's kind of history. Yeah, and of, of being accurate. You know? Executive producer. Yeah. Right. But um, but yeah, he didn't make that movie. Right. Let's uh, let's let's make sure we're crediting the actual filmmaker. Um, but anyway, yeah. So this is basically a franchise killer. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting. I I, I don't know if we're I like. I, plot wise, I like this better than the second one. Think so? I do. Uh, I, I, although it has you know a lot of the same problems of having too many plots jammed together. Yeah. Um, I think it's balanced a little better in this one. Um, not, not as much to be successful, but um, right. Uh, I, I, I think this. You know, I mentioned that it, you know this would be the Hellraiser debtor of the series um, if they had gone in on the cult thing, and that would have been a, a cool thing in and of itself if they weren't you know cringeworthy goths um, <laughs> who show up very much at the end of the movie. And they don't even look surprise. like real goths; they look like you know the the, the jocks dressed up like the goths. So I'm like, yeah. come on, you know, get, at least get a couple of, like really skinny guys in there, you know? Yeah. And what they're really doing is so vague, and it's like it's yeah. You know, well, we've got a painting or whatever and but tell but tell me like the cult of Candyman wouldn't have been a cool sequel idea yeah and work in with you know the original idea i mean you know one of the thankfully not made freddy versus jason you know scripts was a a freddy cult cult. and more so than freddy Candyman definitely lends himself to having cults built around him i mean it's half the thing of the first one you know whereas this is his congregation yeah. Um, it's just they never worked them in in any realistic way or even meaningful way until yeah, they're literally an 11th hour plot twist yeah uh, yeah they show up and say hi we're, right. we're here now too and right. uh we've and got it's supposed to like all make sense because they had you know two goths at the at the yeah. at the art gallery opening <laughs> you know, yeah you say right. in just the most embarrassing way like you know what's blood for if not for spilling <laughs> yeah. yep like, all right, go back to see the Misfits concert. Have, yeah, and then they have a mountain of bones. Mm-hmm. Um, whose bones they are, I don't think they say. No, no. Um, there's just bones there, human bones. Um, right. Yeah, and then and then she burns the painting, and that's uh, I like that image as well. I like that concept because yeah. what the, she ultimately is told by like the Bruja lady is you got to kill the spirit of Daniel Robitaille, Candyman dies. Right. And he's living on through his paintings, which is the MacGuffin. As as we talked about last time, yeah. ghost movies have MacGuffins. Uh, you know, the way to beat your redeem your mon- your ghost is you kill the fetter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, the thing that connects them to reality. It would have been really funny though if like she burned the painting and nothing happened. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, This whole city is mine. Shut up. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah. You, yeah, it could have been a lot of things. Um right. yeah, the painting is a good image though. Yeah of him as a as a man um just this yeah. right after watching the second one and it, it also doesn't you know go well because of that yeah. if i watched this four years after i watched the last one maybe i'd be like the not so apt to notice you know the similarities and the kind of mcguffin you know mm. like in the last one oh you have to destroy the mirror and he breaks into a million pieces oh this one you have to you know do the dorian gray thing and he'll be gone yeah and it's like just just let Candyman be Candyman, right? Yeah, well, yeah. It's a it's a it's a bizarre movie, right? Um, it's getting late. I think we're both uh, <laughs> we're starting to fade here. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit before we re- sign off in general mm-hmm. about the franchise. Um, 
wrapping up that mm-hmm. how interesting it is to me that Candyman became part of what I, I guess I still call the modern pantheon, even though not modern anymore. Yeah. Um, of horror figures, you know, but it's like, still part of the le- lexicon. I mean, it's, it's right, right. You know, you got you know, and those lexicons go from like you know the Universal monsters, right, uh, in the 30s and 40s, and then even in the 60s and 70s because Hammer picked them up, right. Um, and then you start in the 1980s, and you got Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, and Kane right. in there. Like you even mentioned, uh, yeah. uh, you mentioned the joke of you know like they were actually gonna. Thought seriously about crossing over with Leprechaun. Right. They uh, also talked about doing Hellraiser, which would have been a better idea, but still not sense. a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would have made more sense. But right. uh, it's sort of like you know when we talk about Freddy versus Jason, I joke, I kind of asked you and uh, 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 Chris Gersbeck, like who would win? Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like, and I'm like, Candyman's probably like first round. Right. Uh, you know, like yeah. Pinhead just sort of beats all of them. I think, right. but you know. Um, I mean, he literally tears souls apart. So what, what good's Candyman? Um, and I think he's such a part of, you know, it's obviously not A tier. You know, everybody's going to know who Freddy or Jason is. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to know who Michael Myers is. Yeah. I But I'd say, you know, if you quizzed, you know, a thousand people, I'd say, you know, the 70% would probably know who Candyman is. And not even, right. like, even if you took away this new movie, that's obviously that's going to raise, that's changed people things. knows it a lot. Um, but, it's going to be the same kind of thing with like Freddie and Jason. We're like, even if they movie, they're aware of him. Yeah. Um, and that's and what's that's, interesting is that yeah. he's on that list, despite making three films, one of which was good. Right. Um, right. You know, you don't see that with Warlock. Yeah. You know, Warlock had three films. Right. Wh- Wishmaster's not on the list. He's had four films. Um, right. You know, uh, it's debatable if any of them, but uh, I like them. <laughs> Uh, I, I I thought the first one was all right. I don't I yeah. don't the rest of it. I don't really care for. Um, no, no. Um, but yeah, the um, but that's what interests me is that I'm like the idea that this character was in three films um, is on that. I list. think he came along when you know Clive Barker was at the peak of his cinema powers. I think um, as far as being you know like you could sell a movie based on his name. Yes. Um, and. Also, you know, the, I think all almost all the credit outside of the first film being such a, fo- a solid film goes to yeah. Tony Todd. I mean, he's right. just amazing in this role. Yeah, um, even if the films, that yeah, that you keep the same guy in the role and you, you he becomes recognizable as that role. Right. Um, and I will say, a lot of people, you know, talked a lot of shit about this new Candyman for being woke, but I <laughs> they all were. Uh, the first one really was. Uh, yeah. This the second one I don't think was very woke at all, except for a couple of scenes. This yeah. one brings it back a little bit with having you know the shitty LA cops. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of people, and I did. I'm just theorizing because I didn't hear much of it because it was all drowned out by shitheads on the internet, you know, complaining yeah. about PC culture. Yeah. But I feel like there's probably a lot of people who are like, well, if t- this doesn't star Tony Todd, why should I care? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm surprised they did more pushback on that, on that because you know, again, I think this series, at least up to up to three, is almost nothing without Tony Todd. Yeah, I think he's in the new one. Right. I've heard that he may be, and I don't want to. I, yeah. I've purposely tried to avoid right. everything I can about this. But I remember that was uh, that was that was there was a lot of blowback for initially. Right. They were like, "We're because," but originally it was being called a remake. Right, and everybody was mad about it being remakes because that's what they do. Yeah, wow, uh, remake sucks. Um, you know, but and- if people were upset about it being a remake, you know, for not having Tony Todd, I get that in ways. Yeah, I think. I mean, I had been uh, my argument had been I'm like, with Tony Todd's much like Robert Englund, you know, he's not a young man anymore. People were being unfair to the movie. Like, well, this person was the role. Yeah. Um, how do you do that without this person? Right. Um, and that's, I'm not worried about watching the new one. I, like I said, I want to watch it this week, but I'm also like, you know, it's, this is going to be the same if he's not in it, you know, as much or at all. I, yeah. You know, I think it probably will be, but the, only because they're going to be doing something different with it. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, we think of these franchises, I think in terms of its, of its character, 
Right. But we don't think about them as concepts. And I think the concept can move beyond Tony Todd. Absolutely. Um, but you need to like, go back to the concept and really work on the concept. And I, right. I, I'm hoping right. and I thinking that this new one does that. That's what I think too. too. Right. I, but I mean, I think the first film, uh, like the entire point was sort of like, he's not, right. uh, he's not really anything. He's this uh, yeah. amalgam of, of imagination that he could kind of be anybody. Right. Uh, under the right circumstances. Um, so, I mean, yeah, but we get attached to that figure. And that's like one of the big things I, I realized watching this third one, because I thought there was a couple of like, you know, two or three interesting stories that none of which had the time to get fleshed out. Like, yeah. like, you know, this could be a pretty cool anthology series, uh, like the later Hellraisers became in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. Um, you know, and it probably should have been the whole time. Probably. Um, because, you know, this one, I'm not going to, you know, there's no bones about it. It's just not a very good film. And it's right. not very well made or very well acted or doesn't have a decent enough budget to pull off what it's trying to do. No. Yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of absurdity here, yeah. Right. Um, there's a lot of mistakes, you know, on a fundamental script writing level. But, you know, if the it's beholden to the rules set up by by one and to a greater extent two in this film to a way yep. that just constricts what they could even do it's like right. why did you put all these rules here right um, Candyman has rules but you should you know yeah you're the writer you can do what you well, want you can do whatever you want yeah right I mean and that's what I mean is what we've talked about we talked about this a little bit um, when we talked about two but right. the idea that everybody still says like you know the kind of talks about the idea of a Candyman getting revenge on the people that wronged him that movie doesn't exist right um, it's not two, it's not three, certainly yeah. not the first one. He's not going after the descendants of because he can't, they're all fucking dead. I yeah. mean, but let's be honest. descendants of the people that killed him because he right. goes after his own descendants in two and three. Yeah, I mean, like, he doesn't go after the, the descendants of the people that, that killed him. Um, that, would, that would actually be funny if, like, there was a film where he was going after the descendants and they're all like, you know, like, <laughs> from the south or something because yeah. they're. Candyman reparations. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, but it's just funny to me that that movie just doesn't exist. No. And everybody kind of thinks it does. It's really, really strange. But um, yeah. But yeah. Because the first is mostly just a, like a love story. And if you really yeah. pull it down. And it's a story about romance. Right. And about, stories it. we tell each other. Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of loses its, its way, important aspects that that, that, that has. Yeah, because they decided it was going to be about it all of a sudden. Yeah, and he, he becomes Freddy Krueger. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that's it's fine, but I mean yeah, it's just fascinating to me that this character has uh, diffused itself into pop culture the way that it did. Um, right. And uh, it, despite the fact, even though like again, this movie is a franchise killer. Like they, yeah. this is the end. <laughs> And this was never a mainline frame to begin with. No. I mean, the first one, you know, was received well. But as far as a franchise goes, it really, there's a reason there was a four-year gap between two and three, and this one went to -to direct-to-video. Art is an home entertainment. Right. Well, okay. Any last thoughts on Candyman 3? Uh, Can't wait to see the next one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm twenty dollar rental on Amazon Prime excited for it, right. but uh, eventually we'll get, to, I'll get to it. But um, I'll probably wait till Blu-ray. I've got the other three. I might as well get this one too. But I don't know if I'm going to spend right. I'm definitely Blu-ray. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to rent it. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. But I'm pretty sure I'm gonna definitely be getting it on blu-ray because why the hell wouldn't i at this point i have now i have two and three in my collection so why not <laughs> you bought them for this i bought them yeah, yeah I, I, I had them already i had two on right. blu-ray and then this one i had on dvd and uh yeah there's no blu-ray i don't think there's any blu-ray four or three at least not in the states i think there are people that barely remember there is a three right and i know i my only recollection of three was you know because i saw it at the video store and i'm like uh yeah. I, I didn't even see two because I didn't really have that much, much interest in. It's really funny to time. me yeah, that that people that anybody watched Candyman and thought sequels anyway. Right. 
Um, yeah, it's just really strange. But um, but yeah, it's because uh, it's such a standalone movie. And then they're like, well, we'll make more movies about him. And I'm like, OK, why? Right. Um, <laughs> right. You know, well, to give uh, Tony Todd something to do. And yeah, I, really, I support that. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, uh, I guess that would be my final thought. I mean, yeah, Tony Todd is great. Right. Uh, great, great, uh, great performance here from him. And um, I, and uh, in a legendary performance overall. Right. I'm trying to think if, because I mentioned that uh, the actor that plays Gowron in uh, Next Generation, and I'm trying to remember if he, I think he had a couple of scenes with Tony Todd as Worf's brother. Huh. So I, I could be wrong. I'd have to rewatch it. But, it, you know, Tony Todd was played Worf's brother slash child. It's a weird thing, but don't worry oh, about it. Because okay, yeah. um, Tony Todd's always great. Yeah. Yeah, Tony Todd also uh, did an Angel episode as well. Um, nice. Yeah, and was uh, most recently, I think, the he's the voice of Darkseid in the uh, DC animated movies. Oh, really? Is yeah. which one? Which ones are is he in? Uh, Do you remember? Yeah, he was in. He's in the later ones. Uh, he voices Darkseid in Return of the uh, Reign of the Superman. And oh, that's right. Justice League, uh, Dark Apocalypse. At least those two. I think. Okay, uh, I keep meaning to see those two Justice League Darks, and I haven't gotten around to it. But oh, they're fun. Yeah, uh, Justice League Apocalypse, uh, uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Uh, uh, you got to leave some brain at the door, but because uh, <laughs> uh, it basically the entire plot kind of revolves around like three or four of the smartest men on the planet being bone chillingly stupid. Oh, I um, hate that. Yeah, I hate it when that happens. Nobody figured out that you know. Uh, a very glaring weakness exists in this plan. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm like Batman, Lex Luthor, and Cyborg are all in the room, and not one of them figured out. It's uh, yeah, it's that's and John, and John Constantine's in the room too. What? And I'm like, not one of them figured out that there's wow. a, a pretty pretty major weakness in their. Plan. That's part of the reason I I, I want to go revisit uh, Lord of Illusions because I haven't seen it since uh, Scream Factory put it out on Blu-ray. Yeah, and I I. I saw Lord of Illusions before I started reading, like, you know, Hellblazer, yeah. John Constantine stuff. Like, and I want to see what I think of it now after I'm, you know, much more aware of, of John Constantine's, you know, deal. <laughs> right. Because in a lot of ways, he seems like kind of a ripoff of John Constantine. Probably there's some similarity there. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're, I mean, that, this is a conversation for Lord of Illusions, but right, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that, um, you know, John Constantine and Harry Demore are both uh, both using the right. uh, the you know 1940s and 50s PI. Yeah, the the no wire stuff. Yeah, you know these are private detective characters. But then there's like the Dresden uh, Harry Dresden character too is kind of somewhere like what there's like this whole thing. There's this whole subgenre. Yeah, I mean, going back to but all of it. Yeah, it's a subgenre that's all from you know Mickey Spillane. Uh, you right. know stuff merged with the supernatural. I mean, that's all that we're really talking about. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, they're all cut from the same cloth, but, but yeah, um, Candyman three, um, uh, it's up to you. I'm not going to yeah. say, say it. Yeah. You know, if you're a completionist. Uh, if you're a completionist, I would say, yeah. Um, you know, if you want to, and you want to support Tony Todd or whatever, yeah, sure. Go. Right. Um, it's not a great film. Um, it's yeah. certainly not the worst movie I've ever seen. I would say go into it thinking you're watching a random sci-fi channel movie. Um, it's, yeah, it's kind of about, it's about it. With due, yeah. all due respect to the people that worked hard to make right. the movie. Um, uh, who knows what went wrong. but Because yeah. there's a lot of talent in the cast. I mean, there's... Oh, there's, of course. Yeah. You know, I, might, I have my qualms with the lead actress, uh, but I, you know, everybody else I could totally get behind. Uh, yeah. Yep. And I need to, I, I would need to see her in something else before I really decided if, you know. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> I'd, I, made the, I, yeah. I'd made the joke I'd lied early on watching it that this was like a worse Denise Richards. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, Jen was out and she had gotten home when I was still watching it. And she, she, she walks into the room and she's like, Is that Denise Richards? Mm. <laughs> like, no, it's not. No, but I, I love the way you think, and that's why we're together. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, Donna Derrico. I'm yeah. sure you're very, very nice. And I'm sure, she's a lovely woman. Yes, and uh, if you heard this, uh, I hope we didn't hurt your feelings, right? Um, but um, I don't think anybody's really like 
proud of this film. It doesn't seem. I, I doubt it. I don't think yeah. anybody is, is. I mean, it's probably not. It's probably something that, you know, yeah, I did it. You know, right. it's work. But I mean, that's making, we're making generalizations about people now. Like that's, right. Um, but it is very late. Yes. It's almost three in the morning. Jeez. It's almost two here. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening, as always. Uh, thanks for being along with us on this uh, Candyman journey. Um, and uh, we remind you to keep, uh, keep it constructive, keep it positive. Love yourself, love your fellow horror fans. Uh, don't say Candyman five times in the mirror, or do, because he's made up for movies. Um, uh, now, Bloody Mary, don't ever do that. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. You know. I have a cousin whose sister said Bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually, for our uh, when we do our Halloween special, uh, I'll, I'll be telling a little bit about Bloody Mary, actually. Nice. I, I have a fun story about that. But um, but anyway, yes. Uh, so uh, love yourself, love your fellow horror fans. Um, love Tony Todd. Love Tony Todd. And uh, and thank you very much for listening. So uh, thank you very much. Good night. And namaste. Thank you, Dan. 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 Thank